A surprise to their pregnancy, Barbie's supposed snub at the Oscars, and do we really hate fashion trends? I'm Maggie Zhao. And I'm Jasmine Wallace. And you're listening to Culture Club, where we chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to Elders past and present. We would also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we are continually learning from. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. There's quite a lot to get into in this week's episode. No uh, big engagement news from you or I this week. (laughs) (laughs) So we can just go straight into the pop culture today. Have another one. Have another one. (laughs) Well, our first story is there is some big news, but it's in the celebrity world. And that is that Sophia Richie Grange is pregnant. I swear to God, she just got married last week. Not last week, but you know what I mean? I feel like she's just been at the center of the celebrity, like news cycle. So um, this did take me by surprise, this news that you sent through this morning, but also it also doesn't. I don't know. I feel like celebrities (laughs) operate on such a different timeline to us regular folk. Mm -hmm, Totally. I had a feeling because people have been probably – insensitively been commenting on it i've seen some photos so there's like a video like on tiktok and some like paparazzi photos of her like in a big trench coat like fully covered over and people in the comments have been like yep she's definitely pregnant she's got like pregnancy face and i'm like oh my god what if she wasn't so i was just like okay she could be like there's a high chance but like whatever and then yeah the um it was confirmed today in vogue magazine vogue us and there's some beautiful photography to go with it. They're really stunning, quite polished, but also low key. It's not like a huge shoot on like a rooftop with like heaps of dresses, just kind of like jeans and tank tops. Um, and they're by Yulia Gorbachenko. So love them. So this is the thing, right? I think a lot of our listeners will be in a similar boat to me, which is like, oh yeah, I remember seeing her wedding stuff, but I don't actively follow her on anything. So I'm like, oh yeah, like who is this girly? Why do I care about this? Um, And you sent through in our notes. So like to take you behind the scenes of our recording, (laughs) like we've got a Google like docs of all our notes and you posted like it's a long girl. Like there's there's a lot about this mm-hmm. pregnancy and I'm like, oh, like why do I even care? And then not maybe me being so wrapped up in the story, <laughs> reading it all. Right? Oh my God, I actually love this. Let's take, let's take people through like the process. What did she tell Vogue? Okay. So she tells, I was thinking as I was reading this exclusive that she shares a lot with Vogue, mm. especially for like mm. um, how early on she is. So she's due in May, June. It's going to be a Gemini girly, just like me. Aww, <laughs> it's jazz. Um, <laughs> surprise. Okay, so Sophia says, I found out very, very early. I was about four weeks pregnant. I was on a trip to Milan for Fashion Week and I was going to the Prada show. I was doing a really quick 24-hour turnaround and I felt terrible but didn't think much of it. I thought it was jet lag. And then (laughs) I found this detail kind of funny. 
when they got back to LA, she was planning on going to the Ed Sheeran concert with her husband and friends the next day, which I have also been to an Ed Sheeran concert. So I feel um, kinship with her. But um, (laughs) I found this kind of interesting. Um, So yeah, she was super open that she just uh, wanted to take a pregnancy test because her period was a few days late. But she also um, mentioned the fact that her husband was like very used to her taking pregnancy tests um, very quite regularly because they've been casually trying to have a baby since they got married back in April. Um, I feel like that was a very personal detail. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why it made me be like, wow, she's really giving a lot to this exclusive. But she kind of does explain it later on the piece. She says that like she feels like her brand with her – fans is like her relate like a relatable best friend Mm. and we'll go back into the pregnancy news soon but I was thinking like is she coming across as like the relatable best friend as a person like she seems like a really sweet girl don't get me wrong like definitely nothing personal but um I do wonder like she's so wealthy she's married into wealth she obviously has generational wealth she had this incredible luxury wedding which was kind of the beginning of quiet luxury even though the wedding was not quiet luxury it was very luxury <laughs> yeah. is she kind of like having this relatable best friend persona in a bid to kind of cut down the like eat the rich vibes mm. you know what I mean and like the low-key photos yeah. in Vogue versus like a manicured like photo shoot with like mm. multiple dresses and whatever I'm thinking of like Kim Kardashian kind of style pregnancy or wedding photos. Um, yeah. Do you think that's why? Or do you think genuinely she is, that's genuinely who she is? Good call. I do think her being so detailed in this spread is like a very conscious decision to, mm. yeah, you're right. Like to break down the barriers because girl, if her brand is relatable, bestie, like that is off the mark for me. That's like, she's the opposite of that for me. Like she is so unattainable, wealthy. Um, like that's how I see her, like as an outsider. And I'm like, we would not be besties. <laughs> she, she, I think she's, I would say she's sweet, kind, polite. Yeah. Like I believe that, but I'm like, mm, you're so rich. <laughs> you're so rich. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, everything's PR, especially mm. um, in Vogue. So yeah, interesting decision. Speaking of wealthy, the way she broke her news to their parents and, you know, of course the grandparents-to-be was they're like, yeah, we went to like her husband's parents' house. They had like an Hermes bar- box <laughs> and and everyone's like, wow, yay, Hermes present. And then they opened it up and it was a present. <laughs> uh, it was a pregnancy test. I also find gifting family and friends pregnancy stick. tests really really funny <laughs> I know maybe it's a bit American I've seen it on TikTok a lot I'm like everyone knows you've just peed on this stick like yeah just tell us it's okay I don't know sorry for anyone listening who revealed it that way it is sweet but anyway it is sweet but but it is pee as well <laughs> so Sophia says watching their reaction go from like I'm about to get an expensive present to like I'm about to get a grandchild was really sweet also in this Vogue spread, Sophia shares that their house is currently under renovation and they um, found out they were pregnant four days after they moved out of their previous house and they were supposed to have at least 12 months to do the renovation. So Sophia says, listen, we have a deadline now. And because of that, I was able to fully customize the room. I've had a lot of fun playing with pastel pinks, really bringing to life a little girl fantasy within a nursery. I don't know 
how you feel about children and stuff. I don't actually think we've ever really spoken about it in depth because we're not there yet. But mm. I did feel like when now she's pregnant so soon after her like luxury wedding, I did feel like this pang of like envy. And I was like, whoa, okay, where's this coming from? And I think it is due to the fact that like for not even lower class people, like even middle class people now, the thought of like home ownership, renovating a house, being able to give your daughter, like future daughter, like a dream room, um, even just having a baby without worrying about finances is like such a luxury now. Mm. And I was like, like, you know, I think, oh, do I want kids? Like all that stuff. But I have to actually push it out of my mind for at least like a few more years because I'm like, we can't afford children right now like Mm. it's crazy we want to like there's so many more things we want to do obviously before then but it did make me envious of this like 25 year old who of course she can have a baby because she'll have nannies and like I'm not saying she's not gonna be an amazing mother who will look after her child of course but you know she has all these resources she has she'll have nannies she could have a wet nurse she has the ability to own a large house and renovate it and all these things and I was just like it just made me feel like quite envious of her versus like Mm. I'm happy for her, but I was also like, oh, interesting, like this feeling has come up. Yeah, I think that's so, so valid, like raising children and things, so expensive. I remember when like back when we were in high school, the stat that was um, shared around was like, oh, in Australia it takes a million dollars to raise Mm. a child to the age of 18, like on average or whatever. And like I would not, like I would bet money that that figure has just grown and grown and grown Mm. um that's interesting because like honestly I didn't even ban eyelid when I was reading about like you know her nursery plans and her renovations because I'm just like yeah it's just like you live on such a different kind of level you're Mm. like you live in a different world almost that it's like almost like incomparable but you are right like at the end of the day like I mean she is just she is just a woman and we are just women (laughs) like well, you know what I mean like there is like there is <laughs> so true like so we are true. all human <laughs> but like I don't know um like you you are right at the end of the day a lot of us have like the same mm. hopes same desires and it's just um very interesting to see what kind of tools and resources <laughs> we have or don't have Women's Wear Daily has announced an exclusive this week, and that is that Millie Bobby Brown has launched a loungewear and basics line under her Florence by Mills fashion brand. Yeah. Okay. Let's be honest. What was your first reaction when you saw this this morning? I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, of course. Uh, yeah. Number one, this girl has like 300 trillion brands. And when I say girl, I literally mean girl. Like she is so young and like go mini girl boss, I guess, like go get your coin if you like. But this, uh, this brand is so uninspired and I'm just like, ah, like screaming. The first collection is called Cozy Crush and it is literally like loungewear and basics. I can't tell you anything else. It's, it reminds me of 2020, like COVID loungewear you did I thought that as well I literally thought that as well like in all the press release stuff it's like this line is like gonna flip loungewear on its head and stuff and I'm like I bought a pastel pink like loungewear set from ASOS in April 2020 (laughs) 
Mm. And like, I can't, I can't. Like the press release is like, um, it's it's designed to be an inclusive, ready-to-wear loungewear, active wear and intimate label rooted in optimism, self-confidence and comfort. Like, okay, I get comfort, but like the others, I'm like, give it a break, give it a rest. I'm just so, I think, I mean, I wonder, I mean, I do have to examine this kind of like yeah. annoyance that's risen because it's like, yeah, like we see celebrity brands all the time. I think I'm especially like cynical of fashion brands because like there is no sustainable and like ethical backing to this. She's collaborating with a massive like global fashion retailer um, to create this brand and it that's probably what's pissing me off. Mm. But I mean – Millie's also got, like I mentioned before, up top, she's got so many different brands mm. or, you know, brand categories. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. Like, don't you think that her people would be like, okay, you don't want to be too um, overexposed, yeah. like in every sector? Yeah, one of the top comments on her announcement post on her Instagram was like, girl, I love you, but is this really necessary? Um You know, I I think even her fans are feeling that fatigue. Mm. So Millie says, I started with skincare and beauty, which has been a huge passion of mine since I was quite young. I've always loved makeup, but found that skincare was equally as important. Then as you grow up, you think, oh, I love coffee. I have a lot of dogs. I want cute collars for my dogs and to drink coffee that's accessible and on the go. Um, so yeah, she's is basically explaining all her different ranges. You know, she's got a coffee like that's kind of random, isn't it? I'm, I think it's fun that she's so young and she's able to like explore all these different avenues and stuff. Mm. But yeah, like I don't know if I was her team, I'd be like, do you really want to be known for this? Like, be you can't. I don't know, jack of all trades, master of none vibe. I mean, yeah, like it's like you said, good that she's exploring things. But like, girl, get a hobby. Like, how about that? Like, you obviously may <laughs> sorry, but like she's an incredible actress. I really love her in Stranger Things. Mm. Like, she's also got a massive career. But when you were reading that quote about like, oh, like I want like a cute colour for my dog and like drink coffee. I thought that was a joke. Like she's just like, oh my God, like when I was growing up, I had so many interests. Like I didn't know where to put my energy, but I didn't realize like, oh my God, no, like on a whim. She's like, oh, I've got a dog. Let's make dog collars. Oh, I've, I like coffee. I'm going to make it now. Yeah. I had to reread that paragraph a couple of times as well. Like, and it's only the last sentence that made me be like, oh yeah, she has all these brands. Like she she's has a fragrance that. line. She has pet, a uh, pet line fashion. Now she's doing fashion. Mm. So she explains that turning 20 this upcoming year, um, it influenced her to start thinking about what her personal style is as well as her Gen Z demographic and her friend's style. And she says, we're all going to work or college and I want to wear something that's comfortable for me that if I want to show some skin, I can. But if I'm feeling more insecure that day, I want to be able to have an outfit that I can have as a go-to on and feel good in it always starts from those thoughts is anyone else feeling like this maybe they are the customers and the consumers know what the gap in the market is and my fans knew that for sure oh god (laughs) i don't think there's a gap in the market for uh leisure wear and basics is there no like where is her pr team like there's no gap in the market for track suits and hoodies that's literally all all gen z wears i just like she is 19 years old. This is a 19 year old talking. And I'm like, I just wish 
potentially I don't know maybe because she's been like a child actress yeah. and all she's known is work so that's maybe why her perception is so skewed because I wish she could just like hang out with friends and like have some fun and like, her fiance scrapbooking yeah and 19. she's getting married so oh I don't know it is kind of hurt like this kind of makes me feel a little bit sad which oh, is kind of mean to say mm. so we have been you know, critical of this, but I do think that she does love her fans and she says that she's excited to explore more designs with Delta Galil USA and that she'll be focusing on making, quote, products that are accessible and affordable for my fans because they have a huge say in what we make. So, I mean, the price range is like $8 to $95 US dollars. So, like, Mm. yeah, it's not like Kylie Jenner's clothing line also we never spoke about Kylie Jenner's clothing line and it is flopping hard like no I don't know anyone who's buying it no one even on TikTok is talking about it yeah I'm I'm not surprised I mean I mean I can't think of any recent like celeb clothing brands that have really just Mm. picked up traction and have really gone somewhere it's just it's there's so much fatigue around it even from me from this bloody conversation yeah we're seeing the news on instagram on women's wear daily i was just like of course (laughs) okay It's been a big week in movie discourse land. The Oscar nominations have just been announced to much controversy. People have found two omissions particularly controversial this year, and that is that Margot Robbie was overlooked for Best Actress and Greta Gerwig was shut out of Best Director. I work, like, you know, we're obviously in Australia, we're kind of sometimes on different time zones to well we're always on different time zones to the US but you know news breaks sometimes when we're sleeping so I woke up Mm -hmm. to this news and I was like oh my gosh it's been totally snubbed like no one has been nominated at all not America Ferreira no costumes no nothing like it's literally not it's out of it because of the reactions from people and then it wasn't <laughs> yeah. until I was digging a bit deeper and I was like, oh, my God, America Ferrera has been nominated. Um, it's nominated for Best Writing. So it actually did receive the eight nominations across the board. Yeah. Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Supporting Actress for America and Best Supporting Actor for Ryan Gosling. It's just those two categories that it didn't receive a nomination. Um so what did you think when this all like started up? Oh God, it really, really, really took over my personal like social media feeds for like a good day or two. And at the start I was like, same as you, I was like, oh, like, oh god damn, like Yeah, I was like, oh, this oh, is ironic. This sounds bad. Yeah. Yeah, this is ironic. And like, of course, Ryan Gosling put out a statement. He said, there is no Ken without Barbie and there is no Barbie movie without Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, the two people most responsible for this history-making globally celebrated film, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, so true, so true. I wasn't really that phase, but um, I guess the more I dived into Twitter, the reactions on my side were really quite eye-opening, I will say, because I wasn't thinking too deep about it so for instance uh one tweet i saw by alex abads said barbie marketing has done such a good job of positioning the movie and its themes that certain people earnestly believe that margot robbie not getting an acting nomination is an heinous example of misogyny and slight against 
feminism because like that was half the that yeah. was half the commentary right yeah i also don't think that this discourse would have like taken off as it did if ryan wasn't nominated i think that was the irony and also the double whammy i think we spoke about it last week of i'm just ken winning like critics choice um, for like best original mm. song I think it was like those two things within a week of each other and it's like I do remember saying this like at the time when we were watching the Barbie movie I was like I think that Ryan's character like I think Ken was a bit mm. better written he was like the com- like the comedy um the comedic relief and I could see him being more I think he might have done a better job than Margot in terms of like the way the character not saying that Margot didn't do an amazing job she did she did but I think yeah I think that's where the like the controversy is coming from is like the man in the lead of Barbie is nominated over the woman which I I understand the outrage yeah and it's also like best supporting actor as well it's not like he's a leading man or anything so I kind of get that I don't get America's nom to be honest I think her character was like so underdeveloped, so undercooked. I do feel, yeah, I feel like her acting wasn't that good. Oh, my God. It's just terrible to put on it. The monologue. <sighs> I don't know. I think that's what it, where it's come from. The, that monologue was really powerful. But I don't even know if the, yeah, but, like, okay, I, I have to be, like, real because it's, like, okay, when we're watching it, before the movie came out and we went to the premiere like it's great to watch it the first time but I guess like I can't tell it if it's been diminished by all like the talk around it and like Mm. seeing it every like day and stuff because to me like yeah it's good but it's also like for me like a semi-baked version of like the Gone Girl monologue right like we see Mm. like this it's been done well those were the think pieces coming out when the Barbie movie was out about it being like basic like feminism 101 which is fine because it's a mainstream movie it is a like a Mattel Corporation movie yeah I also saw a great TikTok this week someone was saying that they thought of the Barbie movie as equivalent to Legally Blonde Legally Blonde is Mm. a really well-written movie. It has strong female characters. It's got a strong message about female empowerment and how you can do anything you set your mind to, like what, like it's hard getting into Harvard, et cetera. Mm. And then they were like, was Legally, like was Reese Witherspoon nominated for Best Mm. Actress? Like the Oscars are normally for those more like arty, dramatic, like movie, like film movies. You know what I mean? Like mm. comedies yeah. don't win Oscars basically. Like it's really rare. And like people were saying like it's rare for a comedy character like Ken to be nominated. So that's like a huge win. Yeah. No, good point. I think um, like I feel like this also summarizes a lot of like the sentiment around like the supposed snubs. Like mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton literally put out <laughs> bloody social media statements. She wrote, Greta and Margot. While it can sting to win the box office but not take home the gold, your millions of fans love you. You're both so much more than Knaf. And then hashtag Hillary Barbie. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, and especially with everything that's going on with Palestine and Israel, there has obviously been a lot of outrage as well at the moment about certain politicians' um, statements about this or, yeah, like basically white women um shouting from the rooftops Mm. about this like snub this kind of like selective feminism when women and children are dying in gaza 
I understand like mm. two things can be true at once. Totally two things can be true at once, but did feel like the outrage machine was so much louder for this than it has been yes. the last like a hundred or so days. And did you see the piece written in the LA Times? It was um, by Mary McNamara. I saw parts of it online. Yeah, because parts of it were circulating. And I read the quote that people were um, talking about because at first I didn't get it. So she wrote, if only Barbie had done a little time as a sex worker or barely survived becoming the next victim in a mass murder plot or stood accused of shoving Ken out of the Dreamhouse top window. So what she's referring to there are the characters um, played by the women who actually were nominated for the Best Actress um, in the Oscars. So she's referencing Killers of the Flower Moon and um, Anatomy of a Fall there. Killers of the Flower Moon is a movie about a real-life case of genocide against an Indigenous community, Native American people, um, which I just think it's a pretty poor dig when there's other genocides occurring mm. in real life, like at the moment currently. Mm. Um, probably a pretty tr- poor choice of words and very like white feministy. Of course. And I didn't actually realise um, this, that, you know, the Academy Awards have been running for almost a century, but this is the first ever year that an Indigenous woman from the US has been um, in the running for Best Leading Actress. So, like, uh I did not see that anywhere in this in this kind of Oscars landscape. Mm. So friend of the pod and my colleague Alexandra Costa wrote a great piece for Refinery29 Australia titled The Barbie Snub Outrage Proves That When It Comes to Diversity, We're Only Thinking of White Women. And Ali was kind enough to read some of her great words out for us. So here she is now. It's undoubtedly a phenomenal year for diversity, So why are we focusing our concern on the fact that two cis white women who carry an enormous amount of privilege as is aren't nominated for an award? Barbie was a movie about women, so the Oscars nominated Ken. Is the popular rhetoric spiralling around at the moment? And I get it. It tells a great narrative about the inequality of industry awards, which has plagued the industry since its inception. It's very convenient to say that this snub proves the entire point of Barbie. But if you ask me, it's entirely misdirected. I know I will make a lot of people angry with these statements, and I hope they make them uncomfortable too. We have a serious issue if we're more passionate about a woman not being nominated than celebrating the women of colour in the film who actually were nominated, and against the odds at that. Has the Academy missed the entire point of Barbie? Or has everyone else, who seems far more concerned with peddling the rhetoric of white feminism than celebrating the achievements of people of colour? When a white woman isn't nominated, people lose it. But when people of colour defy the odds, they're ambivalent. Yeah, it's kind of the rhetoric that, like, people of colour have to be, like, exceptional and white people Mm. just get to, like... Well, obviously, I'm not saying that Margot and Greta aren't exceptional and they haven't done amazing work. But, yeah, it just kind of echoes that of, like, it's so much harder for people of colour to, like, break into these spaces and they have to be exceptional. And then if they get that over a white woman, it's like, oh, my God, how could you, you know? So it's been a very interesting conversation on the internet this week. (laughs) 
Why is TikTok shouting about the need to ditch trends altogether in favor of personal style? And is this mission misguided? Oh my God, I've been wanting to talk about this (laughs) for quite some time. Um, I don't know about you, but a lot of my For You page has been taken over by videos like this. For instance, the video will play here. Um, It's by creator Alina Timo. Trends gotta go. Aesthetics gotta go. You know what needs to come? People with personality. Also, people really need to try a little bit harder to be themselves because this is scary. Scary. It's fucking clones walking New York City. Everybody's the same, talking the same, looking the same, thinking the same. Shut the fuck up. I think that people have aesthetic fatigue and I think this is the media's fault because every time someone with a little bit of influence is like, eclectic grandpa is in or um horse girl whatever is in then it literally takes three people with 100k followers for publications to like dazed or whatever to jump on that and be like this is the new aesthetic this is what all the kids are wearing like are you gonna fit into gen z's Mm. like style and then it might be like literally a handful of people. So therefore, because of those think pieces, then more people will do it. And then it's just like a vicious cycle. And like we've got mob wife this week, clean girl last year. Like it's just freaking relentless. Yeah. And even with that eclectic grandpa thing, um, it was not started, but it was like said by, it was sprouted by Pinterest being like, yeah, this is the aesthetic of the moment. Like it is coming top down from brands and stuff. And I agree, like there is a lot of fatigue and I do think in some ways last year was a bit quieter on the micro trend front. I know it was still very heavily saturated, but I I don't know. I think back to 2021, 2022, and I think that was like even more rampant. Mm. But I just think I don't like, I don't like all these videos I'm seeing on TikTok that I think are a bit reductive and they're just all like, no more trends, like let's cancel, like stop all the fashion trends, yeah. like just find your personal style. I'm like, do we not understand that this is how it's always been, right? And it's, it's not like we can't critique the system. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm like, in a way, this is nothing new. And I think being like, just turning to someone on the internet and being like, just like for your personal style, that means nothing. That's an yes. empty statement. How can you, how can you say that to somebody? Like, what does that actually mean? What do you mean by that? Yes, it reminds me of um, Flex Mommy's video this week, which was like how much of our sense of self has been created just because we think someone looked cool on the internet. Like you can not mm. follow the mob wife aesthetic or like whatever aesthetic is trending, but at the end of the day, your personal style has been influenced by Tumblr, by people in yes. your life, by magazines, by billboards, by TV shows. You know, like you can't say that, personal style comes completely from you because we are always especially in the west always being influenced by these like external factors so it's a pretty reductive statement especially with all the ins mm-hmm. and outs lists that we saw um in like december january of like out is trends and it's like how can you say it like even doing an in and outs list is following a trend <laughs> like oh yes <laughs> yes jazz 100 percent also, there was this really good video by creator Mina Lee who um, talked about how finding your personal style doesn't work. She talks about how most people in history 
just didn't have a personal style. And she wasn't saying this with snark, but she was like, most people just follow trends set by brands, media, by celebrity culture. She references, you know, like early 2010s, we're all walking around with skinny jeans and whatever, mm-hmm. like little Converse whatever. Like whatever. it's nothing new. Yeah. And she also talks about how trends are a way to like semi enter a subculture without the time, effort, money, commitments they may need. So like you mentioned before, horse girl or even like ballet call. Sorry, not all of us could ride horses or like do ballet classes or whatever, yeah. right? I'm also just going to play like the ending of her video as well. And so it makes total sense to me that people are looking to dress in a certain way, not necessarily because they're like so obsessed with having a personal style or with, you know, creating fashionable outfits, but more because they're looking for a community of people to belong with. I think it's really less of like a, no one knows how to create their own personal style anymore. And more of like, people just don't have the motivation or the capability to make real communities because of infrastructural systemic obstacles. Sometimes I think that it's the people who are playing into these trends more so than others, like fashion influencers, for example. That's their whole job is to wear clothes on camera, but they are the ones who are becoming the most vocal about not following the trends. And is that because they just don't want to look like everyone else? So they're telling everyone else, like, you better not wear this trend. Like, just have your own personal style. But they're following the trends so that they can be, like, in this hierarchy of, like, fashion influences. Is that going way too deep on this? <laughs> no, I see I see what you mean. Um, I also think that to, like, most mainstream people, like, people who are considered stylish are still people who are, like, aware of and like feed into trend cycles like you don't look at someone who let's say on the street has like a really distinct like out there sense of personal style Mm. and a lot of people like aren't connecting with that or like or don't consider that stylish like personal style doesn't actually have to be stylish that's the other thing Mm -hmm. I was thinking more about this um I was like asked to just like write a little quote for like a fashion journal article that's in the works about this. And I wanted to push back because the thing is, it's like, oh, it's actually incredible that we've had all these micro like trends, like, um, God, we keep saying horse girl or like cottage core, blah, 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 because it just proves that clothes have the power to communicate like a slew of identifiers from your interests and role models to how much time you spend on the internet, right? Like that's like incredible. Like clothes are so powerful. Mm. But I think like you mentioned up top, like the fatigue comes from like connecting that to personality traits. So I, I wrote like, but until someone lives their own life and is able to find their personal style outside of trends, these micro trends will only ever be costumes rather than an authentic reflection of their tastes. And then this is the thing that like shits me the most. So, so I say, I do think this critique of predominantly young women experimenting with their style is uncalled for though, but arguing that personal style takes a lifetime to refine. So why are we criticizing women who are on that journey of seeing what works for them? Like, personal style is about trial and error this has always been the case so yeah yeah. and personal style is always changing like what you say like say is oh this is who I am so my personal style is going to be different than it was five years Mm. ago this is also a little tangent but I also get annoyed by um 
people like or mostly people on TikTok who talk about capture wardrobes and it's like that's not a capture mm. wardrobe it's just your beige colors <laughs> it's just like white <laughs> and beige but yeah. you're still consuming like you're still going to Uniqlo every quarter to mm. top up your wardrobe like it's not <laughs> anyway sorry that's a tangent but um that's what I mean by like you can't say that like this personal style is going to be me forever this is not how it works mm. and the way that I know I'm like on track to like continuing to evolve and like refine my personal style is now that when I see photos of myself from like three or five or whatever years ago or how many years ago I'm like okay I still wear that outfit I mm. still love that that feels me still and it's funny because like that used to cha- it change like I was like oh 2018 me no 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 but it's getting to a point now where oh more recent times like yes it's becoming me and me and me and it's like consistency but again that takes time and trial and totally. error like you're not fucking born out of the womb knowing I love a be- beige trench coat. You know, like, I don't know. Jeez. <laughs> I love this, like, rant energy. Yeah, I think it's the early morning for me. <laughs> yeah, side note, we're recording a lot earlier in the morning than we normally do, so it could be why. Have you had coffee I just had now? a coffee. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was literally drinking it while we were recording. Yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> It is now time for our weekly recommendations. Every week we bring you something that we've really loved watching, reading or listening to and Jazz, you're up first. On Monday, I took my grandma and you actually took your mom to the premiere of The Colour Purple, which was super cute for us to have like a little mum, grandma, granddaughter, daughter yeah. date. Um, <laughs> so The Colour Purple is a musical. It is actually based on a 1982 Pulitzer Prize winning book by Alice Walker of the same name. Then it was made into a film in 1986 and it starred Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah Winfrey. Wow. And now in the 2020s fashion, it's a Hollywood musical. So the brief plot is it follows a woman named Celie and it follows her throughout her whole life from when she's a teenager up until she's like in her 50s, 60s. And it starts around the turn of the century, the 20th century. About 1909 was the first year on screen and it goes up to the 40s, 50s. And she has faced many hardships in her life. She has, she bears two children to her father. She has an abusive husband and she meets this singer named Suge Avery and she kind of changes her life. She's also separated from her sister Nettie when they're like in their teens, early 20s. Um, So that is kind of like a theme throughout it, her missing her sister. Um, But she finds extraordinary strength in a new kind of sisterhood. And it's also, I think, a sapphic love story. I feel like that was mm. um, quite – it was obviously prominent in the film, but it wasn't that marketed um, in yeah. the Colour Purple advertising. But I went on Twitter afterwards and everyone was like, oh, my gosh, there was like a scene where they're dancing and everyone was like, oh, my God, wait, is this like a love story? And it's like, yeah, it's definitely a love story. Yeah. Um, so I went into it not really knowing much about the plot, not really knowing much about – I hadn't even seen a trailer. I was just like, cool, like let's just go Mm. like a fun night out. The story was tragic obviously but definitely not too graphic. Mm. Um, My partner warned me that like it's a pretty full-on story but I think it was quite sanitised and Hollywood 
like it's I think it's like rated PG or M. So yeah, love the musical. It was definitely a musical. Like honestly, I swear every five to ten minutes there was a song. <laughs> um, so if you love musicals, definitely watch. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a great and underrated. I feel like not many people have been talking about it um, during this awards mm. season. So what what did you think of that? I really enjoyed it. I think it was a fantastic musical. Love the songs. The story, like you've mentioned, is really intense, I would say. But overall, it's a very like life-affirming film. The set, the costumes, like the choreography, really great. Like really like vibrant and standout. And um, like it was a it was a great like visual feast, I think. Mm. So seeing it in the cinemas, I think was um I think people should go see it in the cinemas. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yes, and great actresses as well. There's Fantasia Barino as Celia, Danielle Brooks as Sophia. I loved the character of Sophia. I thought she was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Taraji P. Henson is Shug Avery, and Halle Bailey actually plays a young version of Celia's sister, Nettie. So would, yeah, definitely recommend that. And like Meg said, go watch it in cinemas if you can because it's like, yeah, beautiful mm-hmm. to see. And what is your recommendation? What have you been watching, reading, listening to, aside from The Colour Purple? Oh, yeah. So today I'm bringing an, a book that I listened to, so an audio book to the table, and it is Love Stories by Trent Dalton. Um, I've been on my story audiobook grind, um, and I definitely pre- prefer Australian mm-hmm. authors, especially when they narrate their own books, which was the case for this one. So this is a nonfiction read. It was published in 2021. And Trent Dalton, he is one of Australia's most celebrated like living authors. And for two months, uh, he sat on like a street corner in Brisbane um, speaking to people. He had like a typewriter and he asked people can you please tell me a love story? And then that's how this book comes about. It's a collection of love stories from everyday Australians intertwined with his own personal life and musings um, and his experience as a working journalist and like and more. Um, it was a very, very, very sweet listen. I think it makes for a really good um, audio book just because it's like little vignettes mm. of people's lives and like little stories Uh and yeah, it was really sweet. There were some really, I guess, touching stories, uh, a lot of surprising characters as well. I think it very much epitomizes that thing of like, oh, you know, everyone walking down the street lives their own life. Yeah. Like you can't tell anyone's story. Um, and then this was really lovely. I do think, I mean, this is not his fault, but like at times he does really come across as like, oh yeah, this is like a straight cis white man. Right. And like, that's obviously his perspective in the world. And sometimes I think that, like got in the way <laughs> for me personally um but uh, this is the first thing I've ever read of his and obviously with his Boy Swallows Universe Netflix series out at the moment like he's the talk of the town <laughs> so yeah this is a nice a nice little listen slash read yes I really need to watch Boy Swallows Universe I don't have Netflix at the moment Same. but I really need to watch it I'm gonna redownload redownload for it but yeah love story sounds sweet I remember when it came out it was very like everywhere but it was just one of those non-fiction books yeah. so I was like oh, I'll get around to reading it one day it's true uh warning as well there's a bit of like quite a bit of COVID talk because it's like set um in 2021 so just yeah just so you guys know <laughs> well thanks for the wreck yeah of course and thanks so much for our early morning chat and thank you for listeners whatever time of day you're listening <laughs> thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time amazing Bye-bye. bye bye